Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The following is rated MA. Some people may find it offensive. It contains language, adult themes and immature content, as well as fart jokes. There will be lots of fart jokes. Listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. What a crazy week. Who cares who Gladys Berejiklian is boning? Certainly not me. It's finals time in the footy. The Bathurst 1000 is on and so too the world's richest horse race, the Everest. We'll cover all that and more. Welcome to the Weekly Wodge. It's sports version of Prestige Worldwide. To quote joint CEO Brennan Huff, I feel like a lightning bolt has hit the tip of my penis. And if you don't like Step Brothers, to quote the great Brennan Huff once again, I will teabag your drum set. A wodge, it's defined as a large piece or amount of something, and that's just what this is. Something. No rules, no plan, just sport and fart jokes. It's unfiltered. To quote the great Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last. Long before participation trophies, winners were celebrated, second place forgotten. Let's look back at this week in sporting history. In 1914, the first ever World Series clean sweep the Boston Braves over the Philadelphia A's in 1964. Our Dawn, Dawn Fraser, won her third consecutive gold medal in the 100-metre free at the Tokyo Games. And in 1968, Bob Beeman's leap of the century. At the Mexico Games, the long jumper actually jumped further than even the measuring devices could track. After 15 minutes of waiting, it was announced he had soared 29.2 feet, or 8.9 metres. That was 55 centimetres further than anyone had ever jumped before. It was termed the leap of the century, and he held that record until 1991. Two weeks left in the footy, teams announced but not confirmed. The big inclusion, the game changer for me, because he's still my NRL man crush, that's Dale Finucane for the Melbourne Storm. Named, but not guaranteed to play. We spoke with him on the Wodge earlier in the week. Yeah, like, to be honest, I wasn't I wasn't quite sure, um, you know, how I'd pull up. And it's probably only been sort of the back end of last week that that it's kicked on a little bit and, and felt a little bit better. Um, so, you know, in saying that, I felt quite good and, um, and I'm feeling quite optimistic at the moment. Are you confident or hopeful, Dale? Uh, I'm confident. Uh, as I said, it's, it's very much a day-to-day sort of... Um, as I said, I only sort of kicked on a little bit towards the back end of last week in terms of, you know, what I was able to do on the field um, and, you know, specific um, football-related things in training. So, um, you know, I only made a progression onto that on, on Sunday. 
Um, I did some contact stuff this morning um, and I'll try and integrate tomorrow completely with the team. So, um, you know, once I get through all those sort of things, it'll give me, you know, a lot more confidence. And um, as I said, I'm optimistic and confident that I'll yeah, be involved in the game. Then there's the debate, do you play him and risk him for the grand final or do you hold him and risk getting to the grand final? Yeah, we, we have spoken, I think, to our you know our physios and our medical staff about um, you know I guess a bit of risk management and and what sort of it may look like if we were to win the the next game. So as I said, it's not it's nothing's in concrete at this stage. It's just you know I'm feeling good with what I've done with the work that I've done at the moment. As I said, tomorrow will be a lot more volume for the most volume that I've done for a number of weeks and. Um, it'll all be dependent on how I get through that work, um, whether or not I play. And then, as I said, the other thing is obviously analysing the risk that's involved with that, whether because I've done the lack of volume that I have done over a long period of time, whether, um, you know, it, it is a too great a risk, but that's something that, you know, we'll, we'll come to uh, towards the back end of the week. Want to win an unfiltered trucker's hat? Go to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast. Then simply give us a five-star rating and review. Write whatever you want. We don't care. It's the stars that matter. Funniest weekly review wins the prize. Simple. Dropping in on the weekly watch, Canberra's enforcer, the new mayor of the mullet, the machine in the green and the nicest prop in the world. In fact, maybe the nicest person in the world. Josh Papali, welcome, mate. How's life in the ACT? Yeah, all good, mate. Thanks for having us on. Um, you know, life down in the ACT is just, uh, you know, beautiful, nice sunny day and it's, uh, you yeah, perfect. A weird year. How's the family, especially the kids? You've got two little ones. The fact you players are basically living at home staying at home or going to training there's there's not much else yeah not much else to do um you know besides uh coming to training um and then doing the essentials um you know that we're allowed to do but other than that it's um yeah we're, we're not allowed to do much um obviously uh have the kids there at home and um yeah that's that's always fun but then um you know sometimes you want to break here and there but um, you know, my son runs a muck at home and, yes. um, you know, we have a big yard there, which, um, you know, takes up most of my time. I said in the intro, the nicest prop in the world, because I've been in the dressing rooms pre-game. You've got photos of your kids, but you've also got photos of other kids on your locker before each game. Just as an inspiration, explain the story there, because I think it's a beautiful one, mate. Yeah, cheers, mate. Um, you know, obviously... Uh, when I first started my career, I had no kids at the time. Yep. Um, you know, I had a, a my, my lovely partner at the time. We were only, um, you know, long distance relationship and mm. we were, uh, you know, high school sweethearts and uh, finally got the chance to, to marry, um, you know, my beautiful wife and uh, had kids on my own. And then, um, you know, I'd met a lot of kids, um, you know, in my career and, um, you know, a lot of them really inspired me to, um, you know, become that role model. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had my fair shares of, um, you know, up and up and downs uh, off the field, and yeah. um, you know, these young kids that look up to me. Um, you know, I thought I'd just put them in my locker, and um, so the ultimate goal by the end of my career is to, um, you know, my locker full of not just my own kids, but um, you know, kids that inspire me, kids that are 
going through tough times. Um, you know, I had have a few kids that have passed on now and, you know, they've, um, you know, just little memories like that, yeah. I, I think just, um, you know, keeps me going. Mate, you mentioned off-field. We all have fuck-ups along the way. Let's not get into that. Let's get into how you have improved as a person after your issues because in a really strange way, you've ended up a, a whole lot better person and a whole lot better footballer having been through a couple of tough times. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, um, being young and naive, I, I um, you know, obviously you just want to impress yeah. uh, your surroundings. Um, you know, me being me, um, you know, I can become a little bit of a, a show-off at times yeah. and, uh, you know, those times have, uh, you know, cost me, you know, a sort of black cloud in the media, but yeah. that's just the way it is. You know, the, these days everyone's got a camera phone. Um, and yeah, I've, I think I've learned from that experience and, um, you know, those tough times have made me, uh, I think a better person. And, um, you know, you're definitely right with the, the footy as well. I've, I feel happier, uh, on the field and, um, yeah, definitely improving year by year. You also seem more relaxed. You're only 28 years of age, but you seem more relaxed in the last 18 months than you have at any time in your career. Uh, Relaxing your mind and letting your aggression out physically, is that something that you've been aware of and something you've worked on, a sort of clear-the-body type mentality? Yeah, I think so. Uh, You know, I think the change of of role from second row to – Front row has made my game um, a very simple one. Yep. Um, you know, I get the uh, the ball in my hands a bit more than uh, when I was playing second row, and um, you know, I'm not chasing all the the fast halfbacks and <laughs> five eights anymore. So they they usually um, you know adds a bit of grey hair in the uh, on the head there. But um, yeah, look, I, I'm enjoying my footy. Um, you know, my wife plays a big part in yep. me um, enjoying my footy as well, and um, yeah, and obviously being inspired by the kids around me, my own kids, and, um, you know, that's what I do it for. You can't win premierships in May, but it's said you can lose them. It seems the Raiders have got their timing right. As a side, do you think you're playing the best football of the season at the moment? I think for for the season we are. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we still haven't clicked yet, I think. Um, you know, that game on the Roosters, um, against the Roosters on the weekend, just we just um, sort of fell away from um, our kind of footy yep. for a bit and, and let the Roosters, um, you know, sort of gave them a, a little sniff there and they uh, yeah, they almost got us at the end. But, um, you know, all year we've just been scraping away with close wins and, um, you know, teams that we should have beat by, you know, 40 or 30. Um, you know, it, it's been close games just because, you know, we haven't been that disciplined, but, um, you know, our timing's sort of, um, you know, a bit right at the moment. We're um, starting to, to click, um, you know, with two games to go. Jesse, Nelson, Tino, Christian, a couple of little fellas that you're going to have to come up against this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the Storm are also sort of playing their best footy at the moment? Oh, well, I think, um, you know, with, you know, when you've got the GOAT, uh, Cameron Smith in your team, yeah. Um, you know, you're always going to be a chance to win the comp, um, you know, whether that's in January or, um, you know, October, November. Yeah, um, you know, with, with Cameron leading them around, it's 
it just makes uh, you know the the big boys their job a bit easier when you got someone that's smart in the middle, um, you know, leading the team around. But um, you know, Melbourne's a tough tough uh, team to beat, especially um, you know when they they're not playing well as well. So yeah, um, yeah it's going to be a tough game. We're looking forward to it. Um, you know, and uh, like you mentioned, you know they they've got a few small props in their team, <laughs> haven't they? What, mate? Ricky Stewart yeah. on episode four of the Legend series a couple of weeks ago was telling me about your sense of humour and a joke you played on the teammates a few weeks back. What happened? Yeah, mate. Just um, you know, we had a sort of intense uh, video session. Um, you know, it's one of the sticky specials. I think it went oh, for yeah. an hour. Um, you know, I made, uh, made something up out of nowhere. And, um, you know, I said that I had to retire after this year if we don't win the comp. And, uh, yeah, that, that sort of got a few, uh, I said it was all a, a massive joke and, uh, all the boys started laughing and, um, you know, I think we had one of our, our best training sessions after that. Who fell for it? Who was the first one that shit their pants? Oh, look, uh, you know, well, I've done the same joke the year before, so... <laughs> Um, you know, <laughs> the uh, the older boys like uh, Jackie Wyden, uh, Josh Hodson, and yeah. um, you know, Sia, they they sort of got the drift, but um, a lot of the younger boys that um, you know, debuted in, in the our last round game, um, a heap of them sort of uh, come up to me after, and um, yeah, they were still in, in disbelief if yeah. I was actually retiring or not. So, uh, yeah, more the younger boys. Always a pleasure catching up, Josh. Good luck this weekend, big man. Cheers, Andy. Thank you. Thanks for having us. A busy week podcasting and interviewing this week. I love it. The Legend Series podcast is released every Tuesday. Guests in the coming weeks honestly read like a who's who of Australian. Actually, make that Australasian sport. This week's was a belter as we approached Bathurst weekend, the legendary Dick Johnson. He describes himself as a normal dude to finish the interview. He's anything but, and he fits the legend's status just perfectly. Here's an extra topic we discussed that we didn't use on the interview and a question that I had desperately always wanted to ask. You're driving on the road and Jill's in the passenger seat and you pull up at the lights. And a young hoon pulls up next to you and looks at you and smiles. What happens next? Depends what I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> Is there one story that stands out? Oh, this is going back a long time. And this dude, oh, obviously, Julie and I were, were having a, a disagreement about something and we were going out somewhere, I don't know, for dinner or some damn thing. To meet some people, and um, this guy on a motorbike and his pillion passenger were just they're being dumbasses, you know. Yeah. But, like they'd go past you, and then they'd slow right down and stuff like that. And I was really not in the greatest of moods. And we got to the traffic lights, and and he was on pole position, and I was sitting behind him, and and it's one of these blokes on a bloody Harley or whatever it was, and. Only difference between a Harley and a Hoover is just the position of the dirt bag. But <laughs> quite frankly, he, him and his pinion passenger, he just turned around and looked at me with a smug look and he rolled back till his tyre 
sat on the front of my car. So I just floored it and pushed him out in the middle of the bloody road. So, and uh, he never bothered me again. This is the Weekly Watch on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. What a brilliant time of year it is. Finals footy in the winter codes. The big name horses are back. Willie Pike is winning everything and the missus is going to her mum's for the weekend. On top of all that, Bathurst is this weekend. The 1,000 and having been there for a number of years, there is nothing, nothing quite like it. Joining us to preview the big race, one of the most respected voices in the industry. I don't know whether we refer to him as Mr. Aaron or the V8 Sleuth. Either way, it's Bathurst time. A different Bathurst in different times, but it's Bathurst nonetheless. It is, Andy. You can call me whatever you like, mate. I'm not fussed. I've been called far worse over there, the there years. There we go. So, uh, it's, it's exciting. I mean, this is the, the week of weeks if you're a rev head. It's been delayed a week from when it was normally going mm. to be, but given the way of the world, it's been a weird old year, and there was a very real possibility that we would have a big blank hole yeah. for the winner of the 2020 Great Race because there might not have been one. But we're going to have one. Uh, it's Holden's farewell as a brand to Bathurst. It's a small crowd, but the fact is we've got a race and uh, something to be excited about. And we can write another chapter in that amazing history up at, uh, at Mount Panorama. Yeah, we say goodbye to an old mate this weekend. As, as a company, anyway, the, yeah. the fabulous Holden brand, iconic at Bathurst. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah. I, there's never really been uh, a time where Holden hasn't been a part of the Bathurst 500, 1,000. It's changed over the years. Yep. And, and the cars are very different now. They're nothing like what you and I drive on the road. Yeah. They are, they're purpose-built race cars, but they carry the passion of the brand, the DNA of the brand, and, of course, GM made the announcement at the start of the year that Holden will be retired as a brand. There will be still Commodores racing yeah. in supercars and at Bathurst next year. They're going to change the regulations technically for 2022 in supercars. I reckon we're going to see Mustangs v Camaros. But mm. for now, uh, the teams have got their hardware. They can't go and build brand new cars and new bodywork and everything for next year, particularly given the financial climate of the, the world at the moment. Yeah. So uh, another year with Commodores, but they won't be official. There'll be no... Red Bull Holden Racing Team or Factory Holden Support. So this is a bit of a farewell. Sadly, though, the faithful who've supported them for so many years largely won't be on the mountain this year. But fingers crossed next year when the last Commodore is racing in the 1000, we can all be there and uh, and send it on its way in style. Yeah, very different Bathurst this year. Now, wet weather expected or mm-hmm. anticipated. Things turn nasty at yeah. Mount Panorama when the rain and the wind starts. You've stood in that pit lane, haven't you, yep. when the weather's blowing around and bottom of the mountain it's starting to get dark, top of the mountain it's pelting with rain or, or vice versa. Yeah. I looked at the forecast the other day and it's not looking flash no. for the weekend. And the wor- it's the worst type for the races because it's not – if it was all wet for the day, then you know what you're going to get. Yeah. But it's that changeable forecast of uh, a shower coming through here, leaving, sun comes back out. Another one coming somewhere around 4 o'clock, which is the worst time because that's about when they'll make their last pit stop, yeah. so they need to figure out what tyres <laughs> they're going to use. Uh, so it's, it, you know what it's like. That place is just phenomenal. And just when you think you've seen it all and you know what's going to happen, something weird turns up. And I reckon this year is all, of all years for weirdness, we're going to get it. You've got co-drivers that have not barely raced anything yes. all year. You've got main drivers who've, 
probably done more racing closer together than they've ever done in their lives because supercars has been racing so often while it's been away from home largely. So many teams have been away for four or five months now. The, the Melbourne-based teams have uh, been on the road, so very, very different prep. Uh, but I've got a weird feeling that you put the weather, a bit of that stuff, a bit of mountain magic weirdness. Uh, oh, who knows? You stir it up, 4 o'clock on Sunday. And the and it's fact on. that it's 2020, who knows anything could possibly happen. Uh, Scotty McLaughlin, what a run he's had. No doubt the man to beat, I think, for most people. But every time the names Win Cup and Lowndes appear on a rear window in any car, geez, I, I become a believer. It's hard to not be. It's hard to not be. You look at the record of those blokes. Yeah. It's nuts. I mean, Wink Up, would you believe it, hasn't won the race for eight years. It's been oh. a long time since he's won, but he's been in the game every year, but yep. he's finding new ways to stuff it up. Yes. Either he's, he's out of juice on the last lap or he's passing under the safety car or he gets a post-race penalty and wins the race but loses it. He's probably done just about all of it in yeah. the last eight years, but – you know what it's like. It's like AFL or NRL. If you keep on presenting and you keep making the finals and you keep knocking on the door, Bingo. it will open. Yeah. And, and it's funny that the social media haters, you'd think Wing Cup had never won a race in his yeah. life. And it's but useless, can't drive. Times. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's won it four times. Lounsey's won it seven. They're, they're in the mix. You put those two boys in a triple eight Red Bull car at Bathurst and they're in it. But I, I reckon the guy you mentioned before, McLaughlin's the favourite. There's no doubt about it. He's been the... The form man all year, fast man, won more races than anyone, won the race up there last year. And I reckon he probably, uh, this is probably the last time we've seen him, to be honest. Mm. I reckon he's off to IndyCars. It's just a case of that all being rubber stamped and and announced. So I think we should enjoy the moment of seeing one of the greats, although he's not been here for a a long period of time. He's in that Ambrose mould, did a lot in a short space of time here. It's going to take off and do great things in the States, but I think we've seen something pretty special for the last few years. And I think he wants to probably, he feels he won that race fair and square last year despite what was going on with his teammate Fabian Coulthard and the stacking up and all the shit that went on afterwards. It was all happening. And I think he'd like to win one without that this year just to prove the point that there's no asterisks next to his name as a Bathurst winner. Yeah, it's a powerful motivator, the memory of last year. Who's your tip? Who's your trifecta? Come Sunday at 6 o'clock. It's so hard to just go past the big ticket teams because they generally win the big ticket races. They've got the best firepower, the most money, the best drivers, the best co-drivers, which is important. I reckon it's not going to be those two. I reckon it's Van Gisbergen and Tanda. Okay. Van Gisbergen is due. Yes. He's got great form going in the last few races. He's had a bit of a rough run this year. Van Gisbergen's... Fast getting onto that list of the best blokes never to win Bathurst. Yeah. You know, the Brad Joneses and the Glenn Seatons and yep. Ambrose is one of them too. He's he's getting on that list, but he's got Garth Tander with him, great co-driver, multiple Bathurst winner, uh, probably could still be a full-time main driver mm. if he had a drive going somewhere. So I, I reckon they're probably my, my pick. Uh, McLaughlin second, and I reckon you've always got to throw a slight roughy in for the podium. Yep. I reckon Nick Perkett. Brad Jones's team, the number eight R&J Batteries car. He's won a couple of races this year. Yep. He won the race a long time ago as a young co-driver, uh, but he's really matured and he's got a really good young co-driver in that a lot of your listeners might not know of, mm. a bloke called Tom Randall, who's been dealing with cancer 
this year. An amazing story, isn't it? It's ah, oh, it's it's awesome, and he's leading the Super Two series, like the the second tier category that always uh, that also races at Bathurst. So. I reckon he's worth a little bit of a roughy, but if you're a Ford fan and you're looking for a bit of, well, a bit of value or someone else, the monster car, Cam Waters, Will Davison lost his drive at the start of the year. That's a good combo. They'll be a, they'll be a red hot shot. Thanks for the preview, Aaron. We'll chat soon. Mate, I'm really keen to hear a little bit more about the Glenn Seaton race history book that you've been buried in the office working on for the last few months. It's out in a couple of weeks. We will chat about it then. Enjoy your Bathurst experience. Sounds good, mate. Happy Bathurst week. He's ridden more horses than John Wayne and tough. Well, Chuck Norris calls him when he's in trouble. Jason Hetherington, Bulldog, Marone, Kangaroo and Storyteller. Your test debut, and you only reminded me earlier, but you're a player, I was a reporter, but your test debut, we were roomies. Yeah, I know. How about that? How does that work? Uh, Wayne uh, Bennett was the coach and he allowed it to happen. Had to put the two good guys together, mate. That must have been it. That must have been it. So... What happened? There was a late injury. It was 98, yeah. 98 in New Zealand. Yeah, tri-series, yep. Uh, there was a late injury and you got the call-up. I did, yeah. Um, Kevy was 5'8", I think. Andrew was hooker and Kevy did his hamstring. Andrew moved to 5'8", and then they Wayne called me over to, uh, to go into hooker. And the only bed... Available in the hotel was next to me. Yeah, well, I can... That's a, that's a shit hand. <laughs> oh, hey. There was worse. It was good. Yeah. We, um, actually, I, I'll tell you what happened. I was swimming down at, at the pool at Canterbury and Gary Hughes come down and said, listen, Wayne, want you over in New Zealand? We've, you know, Kevy's hurt his hamstring and I still buy Kevy a Christmas card every year for that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh Gaz says, oh, but only one problem, there's no planes left on the seat. I said, well, tie me to the fucking wing, I'm getting there. <laughs> anyway, I got over there and <laughs> I went up into the room and Wayne's line, he had vertigo, actually, you probably remember, he yeah, was crook, he yeah. was real crook, Wayne. He was in bed for the week. Yeah, yeah. oh, shit, he, he looked like a bloody skeleton on there. Anyway, I, I walked in and I said, thanks for the opportunity, Wayne, I won't let you down, mate. He said, be right, we'll get the job done. Anyway, yeah. we did get the job done, and yeah, it was yeah, it was great. First, first Australian jersey, and um, yes, still remembered to this day. Very proud, as you should be. It's a an amazing achievement for anyone. I I often think that some of you guys don't realise the enormity of you know an occasion like that. But it's nice to hear you say. I still remember it fondly. It's still a highlight in my life. I mean, huge. Yeah, it's a pinnacle, Andy. You know, yeah. that's probably the, you know, the most vivid and recognised memory that I do have is is holding Terry Lamb up on my shoulders after yeah. the 95 grand final because 
you're all trying to get that trophy at the yep. end of the year. Now, we've been trying to get that, you know, as mates and training hard, blood, blood, sweat and tears. And But the pinnacle in the sporting world is to represent your country. And to get that opportunity, very proud. listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Want to be part of the team? We have both corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. Check out the website at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au or send an email to Terry, that's with an I, at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. The fourth edition of the Everest runs this Saturday, arguably the 12 fastest horses in Australia for $15 million in prize money. We chatted with Sky Racing's Andrew Hurley about the birth of the Everest. Absolutely extraordinary. Um, for something to evolve so quickly, this year will be the fourth running of the, of the Everest, the Tab Everest. And... It's just captured everyone's imagination. I mean, Peter Volandis, you know, is an absolutely extraordinary how he's sort of sat down and said, right, well, what can we do to, to build this this massive race? And the concept with slot holders and everything. Yep. The intrigue leading into the race is just extraordinary. Which stables, are, are, you know, which slot holders are going to you know, purchase which horse? Um, the crowds, record crowds on on track. Mm-hmm. Um, the wagering is is absolutely huge, and I I always gauge the success of something if people who aren't involved in the industry or don't follow the sport know what the Tab Everest is. Yeah, my father wouldn't know how many legs a horse has, but he will tell me. You know, oh that 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 Everest is on this weekend. Yeah. Um, I recall lying on Manly Beach, you know, a couple of days before the Everest. Um, actually, it's probably a couple of weeks before the, the first Everest. And there's a helicopter, you know, flying around with, with the flag. Uh, Peter Vlandes, it got the barrier draw um, superimposed onto the Opera House. Yep. It's just extraordinary. And look, I honestly think it, it's, you always have the tradition of the Melbourne Cup, but um, I think the Everest... Um, is um, is is pretty much the the biggest race, I must say. Is has it been lucky that Black Caviar wasn't around for the Everest? Yeah. Possibly, uh, because you know she would have had a had a hoof on the till pretty much uh, any time she went round. But I'm looking at this field for uh, for this year, and, and you know we've got the likes of uh, well the favourite at this stage is. Uh, is of course Nature Strip, yep. uh, which went round as an odds-on favourite first up, uh, was defeated. So that's almost added more intrigue. She she missed the kick. She's had the barrier trial. So everyone this Saturday, you know, it's Nature Strip. You know, when she's on, she, she's she's uh, absolutely sensational. And then you've got Classic Legend. What a, what a story that would be for uh, for old Liz, Les Bridge to uh, to produce it. You've got Gtra coming from uh, from Adelaide. Um, you know, and uh, he has knocked off uh, Nature Strip previous, and yep. then you've got the your youngsters, your bibby wax, your, your trekking, Sandra and Elaine, the old boy, the hardhead might uh, might make an appearance too. So, 
it's um, it's one of those things. It's a bit like the Melbourne Cup. You go at the pub, what's going to win the Everest? And that discussion's taking place a month out. It's uh, it, it's fantastic. Really, really good for for racing as a whole. Former Sky Racing anchor and media man Davey Carlson takes up the story. Victorians were seething because, yep. you know, like the spring, they, they've always, well, I guess you could say they've just about owned the spring. While there's yeah. been good spring racing in Sydney, uh, in, in Melbourne, well, uh, you know, it's, it's been a tradition, you know, the, the, the Caulfield Cup, the Cox Plate, the Derby, etc. And uh, so they were absolutely seething down there in the gateway to Antarctica, as, as Doug Mulray, <laughs> yeah, Dougie Mulray called Melbourne that night. I, I concur with him. Um, yeah, so they were absolutely seething. So it was a, a wonderful way to not only maintain the rivalry, but for, for Sydney to get a giant slice of the pie. And it worked so well that Melbourne horses were coming up to contest it. Mm. Now, it's on, it's on again. It's on again uh, this year. Saturday, October 17, Nature Strip is uh, the current favourite. And it's on Caulfield Cup Day. So, Melbourneites, eat your heart out. Big Saturday of racing indeed. And then a little bit of Panthers Rabbitohs on Saturday night to finish the day in style. Plenty of the Souths boys in career best form and being noticed. Under the radar for me, young fullback Corey Allen, who's been killing it. His teammates have certainly noticed. We spoke with Damien Cook about his number one. Yeah, mate, he's been great. Uh, he's very exciting to watch too. Uh, Corey is uh, he's a very relaxed player um, in this Massive credit's got to go to him for this year. You know, there hasn't been reserve grade. There haven't been a lot of footy to be able to play, be played by uh, those guys. And, uh, you know, with Latrell going down, he come, got, you know, chucked straight in the deep end at fullback there. And uh, he's taking his opportunity with both hands. And he's been a massive reason why we've been able to score some points the last few weeks. Adam Reynolds is also impressed. He's been good. He's been brilliant. He's, um, he's come in and hasn't missed the beat. He's made the number one jersey his own. And, um, he hasn't looked for any shortcuts or any excuses. He's just got on with life and he's doing his job. He's doing a terrific job for us. You look at how impressive South's back line has been and this is without Latrell Mitchell, James Roberts and Braden Burns. Who misses out next year, especially considering the noise about Josh Adokar wearing the Cardinal on Myrtle in 2021 gets louder and louder and louder. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. And if being polite doesn't work, maybe bribery will. One lucky reviewer wins an unfiltered trucker's hat every week. It's that easy to win. Doesn't matter what you write, no one reads it. The five stars and a comment of any type will do. It helps us on the charts. Tell us what you had for dinner, what your favourite matchbox car was as a kid or what your favourite beer is. I don't care. This week's hat winner is Shane Crellin. Thank you, legend. We'll be in touch. Your hat's on its way. Our Apple analytics have seen us join the charts in rugby league strongholds like Malta, Hong Kong, Norway and Finland this week. No shit. Someone is listening in Norway. You fucking beauty. So, back to the real world we go. Have a great week, legends, and don't forget to back Pikey in the last.